And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, as always, Ronnie Landis. And today I have a very, very special guest, a good friend of mine, from Southern California, Mr. Adam Roa. And um, this feels like a very, very special episode. And I definitely feel like all my episodes are special. Everyone has its own flavor, its own theme, its own exploration. And um, I got to just be really honest about how I'm feeling in this moment because there's this surge of, um, there's this opening in my heart space right now as we're starting, interestingly enough, um, around this conversation that we're going to dive into. And um, yeah, I feel like it's it's such a pertinent and present conversation um, in the world right now, and it's an experience that I'm 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 almost astonished by in the reflections that I'm seeing, the mirrors that I'm seeing around um, the dynamics in uh, whether it be relationships, relationships, uh, masculine, feminine, reno, reno, renegotiations, as you mentioned before we um, started recording. Um, and many other dynamics of transformation. We truly are going through transformation, you know, in, in all ways, all areas of our life. And one of the areas that it's showing up most profoundly is in our relationships. And I think that's ultimately the relationship we have with ourselves, and how that's uh, mirrored in um, different forms of relationships. So, you know, um, Really, like I said before we started this, Adam, by the way, for everyone listening, um, me and Adam did a great um, podcast a little while back, which you guys can all check out. I think it's episode 104, 103, something like that. This will be almost uh, episode 160. So a lot has happened between then. I'm I'm looking up right now, too, to find when you were uh, on mine. 
deep dive number 30. Mm-hmm. Deep dive number 30 is with you. So this is our third go around together on the podcast format. Yeah, totally. And, and what a great format, by the way, to be able to um, share these conversations. You and me have had some great conversations in private. And I think it's really amazing that we both have podcasts to be able to encapsulate these incredible and the things that come through are always like always um, just more profound than ever because I think there's a connection to the people that are going to be listening, even though we may not know who those people are in the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just feel I just feel the power of this. So with that said, Adam, I'd like to just hand it over to you, like um, because I didn't I didn't provide any questions. I didn't structure this in any way. I knew that this would be an open dialogue. And um, one thing I know about you and why I respect you and admire you so much is that the way that I see you is you're you're clearly a man who is 100% committed to his own self-discovery and the mystery, engaging with the mystery of life. And that couldn't be more obvious than the, the present dynamic or the present theme in your world, which is very similar to mine. And you, you um, just for context, I reached out to you to do this, this second interview because I was so taken back by a recent podcast that you and your prior partner, Azria um, really shared so beautifully and transparently on the decoupling of your 10-year relationship. And so um, I, I, I listened to that twice, um, and it really, I'm probably listening to it again when the time is right. Um, there was so many jewels, so many nuggets, but ultimately it was the, the heart and the soul that was reverberating through that conversation um, that really touched me and so many other people. So with that said, my friend, I want to uh, just hand it off to you to start us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, brother. You said a number of really kind things in there, and I, I just want to acknowledge you and, and thank you for it. Uh, we have had some pretty great conversations in private, and um, now we just get to put a microphone here and, and share it out to the world. Um, for people who don't know, uh, my name is Adam Roa. I'm a transformational artist. and um, I am a catalyst for creativity in the transformational personal development, spiritual evolution space. That is uh, what most excites me. And what that looks like tangibly is a number of things, filmmaking, spoken word, poetry, performances, a music album that I haven't released yet that is, is finished. And I'm doing like these ceremonial listening, active listening parties around. And, um, what that used to look like more of was your typical coaching influencer uh, modalities, right? One-on-one coaching, small groups, uh, online webinar style stuff. And uh, I also lead a podcast called The Deep Dive with Adam Roa. Episode number 79, which came out about a month ago today, was what you're referencing. So I just want to give people context Um, I've been in a nearly 10-year monogamous committed relationship, and it is, I met her when I was 23 years old, uh, and spent the next 10 years together in what you would call a twin flame soulmate dynamic, whatever, you know, jargon we want to use, and uh, within the span of, let's just say, three weeks I had never thought of not spending my life with this woman and raising a family and children. And 
within the span of three weeks, the idea came to us separately of, wow, there's something here. What's going on? We don't know. I'm considering for the very first time not being in this relationship dynamic. What's going on? We took it into ceremony uh, because both of us are deeply connected to plant medicines and, and plant allies and took it into a ceremony together and both received a very clear directive from spirit and, and saying, this is what you're being asked to do. You're being asked to step outside of the safety bubble that is your relationship in order to more deeply understand your sovereignty and therefore your empowerment and how to empower others, other men and women around you without disempowering yourself and really diving into the creations that you have in front of you. And at the end of that ceremony, the same night we recorded a podcast, Episode Deep Dive number 79, uh, that you're referencing where we essentially announce that we are uncoupling and discuss why and say our kind of last goodbyes to each other in a way. Uh, because from the moment that we decided to do that, uh, within two weeks, we had moved out of our home that we'd been in. We'd lived together for eight and a half years. We'd been in that home for a year and a half. And so we are the type of people who move really quickly. And like you said, I dive into the self-development. Like if I see something and it's aligned and it's clear and I've checked in with my, my intuition and my guides and everything. And I'm like, yep, this is what I'm supposed to do. There's no hesitation for us. And that includes separating from a 10 year relationship to go in, onto this next chapter. Hmm. Wow. There's a, there's a lot of potency to, to everything that you just shared. Um, I mean, it's almost like it's almost hard for me to even know what to ask. And yet there's there's a lot that I want to dive deeper into. I mean, you know, and I can only draw from my my own experience of going through um, a transition in a very clear um, twin flame soulmate context. And I, you know, one of the things and I think this is this is a theme that's coming up a lot in the world. I'm, I'm hearing this term from so many people twin flames, soulmate, like these, these terms and, and the meaning behind it and the, the power of that connection is becoming so, um, it's becoming so mirrored and I'm seeing it everywhere. And I'm talking to so many of my, my close friends, men and women that are also going through these transitional states. One of the things that I wanted to ask is, um, because you know, there, I, I, one of the things you said was that there's a renegotiation going on between the masculine and the feminine, and probably just in our own lives, things that were serving us, maybe they weren't. But now there's such cl- there's there's like this this clearing that's happening, which is if something is not in alignment for our next steps in the journey, then something has to change, right? And um, you know, I guess I guess my question is around the context or the container of that relationship. Because as I'm sure you know, and many of us on the journey know, separation is in a relationship context. Typically, when people break up, they go their separate ways. And and, um, oftentimes, people do not reconnect. But in this particular context, where there is a very clear soulmate connection, that connection doesn't go away, does it? It's it's omnipresent. It's it's there. And um, I I guess I want to just ask you, to um, expand upon that, what is that like going through that transition to physically separate, but also maintaining, I guess, um, 
or sharing about that connection that, that you still have, um, but through your own individual sovereignty? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think it's a constant exploration. I don't, I don't have a reference point. Uh, there is no like archetypal thing in my space that I can look to and say, Oh, you were in a, a, a decade long relationship since your early twenties and you broke up and now you have a healthy dynamic. Like I don't really have that to look to. So um, there's a navigation of what that actually means. And what I know to be true for myself is that I don't, there's no love lost. There is no, there's no, she did this or he did this. And in my early dating career, the, the relationships I was in, in the breakups, it was important for me to make them into an enemy in a way, make them into, oh, this is the parts that, that I don't like, or the parts that I felt uh, like repressed by or held back by, or the, here's the ways in which you hurt my feelings or whatever it was, because my inability to hold that emotional experience meant that I needed to shift the truth and distort it in a way that allowed me to uh, protect my heart. And I did that generally through, through finding ways to be angry or make them the enemy and, and put up walls to them. And this breakup experience is completely different. This is, I've, I love her more. We said this, the fact that we're on the same page about this and willing to walk away to go and, and, and figure this out and, and live out this next chapter that we're being asked to do is an indication of how like why I love her so much because um, we're so committed to that mission. We're so committed to our individual growth that we recognize. And when we feel it's a spirit driven thing and when we both feel it and that's true for both of us, we get to honor that no matter how painful, no matter how painful. And, and now I'm being with that pain in a completely different way than I ever have before because it's, she didn't do anything to me. And so as long as I can sit in the truth that is, I love her. I love her today just as much as I loved her a year ago, just as much as I loved her the day that we broke up. There is, there is no love lost. Maybe there's even more love now. It's just our journeys look different. And that is that says nothing about the love that's there. Mm. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's really beautiful. And, um, and that's so much of, I, I, can, I can relate so much to that. For me personally, this particular process of going through physical separation has been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey of the heart. It's been a journey of going through and weeding out all of my insecurities, weeding out all of the, the cognitive biases and the little boy wounding and the ego wounding and all the things that very clearly I can see now were stifling love where um, I think my situation is a little different than yours, but just we're seeing where like the, the suffocation of love took place and also the suffocation of love was born out of love and a deep desire to merge and yet also losing in a sense self-identification losing a bit of sovereignty where a separation had to 
had to occur for that love to to you know become unconditional without the proposed definitions yeah. or fantastical um, outcomes and um, a lot of the things that I think is part of this renegotiation because I can say for me as a man what came alive for me more recently was this reality that that I've been suppressing because I never met the right one, so to speak. But I always had that yearning. I always knew she exists. I guess that's kind of the twin flame kind of experience too. Like my experience going through life is that when I look back from a very young age, I was searching for that feminine mirror, that feminine counterpart, that partner. I didn't know it at the time, but I would somehow unconsciously project the feminine ideal in archetypical language, that feminine divine art ideal onto other women that I was probably more infatuated with and then wonder why I was continuously disappointed over and over. And a lot of pain was created out of that, yet there was still this enduring longing for that. And when it did come, um, there was through meditation and, and being honest with myself and overcoming the past disappointments, I realized that I am truly guided to be a father and to be a husband and to create a family, even though I was skipping around that because I couldn't see that with anybody else. So when this one came along, it was like, you know, everything kind of the stars aligned, so to speak. And I, it's interesting for me now, and who knows where the future leads, but in this moment, the letting go process for me, and this is what I want to lead into, is one where I still honor that truth. And maybe and maybe not, it is with this individual or not. And I get to let go of my projections. I get to let go of my, my, my um, outcomes around this particular situation and hold, hold on to the truth without holding on to the externality of what it has to look like or who it has to be with. And um, yeah, I kind of actually just want to, I want to get your, your, your take on that. Um, just that perspective in the letting go process and also this kind of renegotiation process that many of us are going through in terms of relationships. Yeah, I think you, I mean, you spoke to a number of really interesting points and, and one of the big ones is just an understanding that there's an alchemical process that happens when two people are, are just in each other's energetic fields when they're intimate with each other and then as they remain in each other's fields for an extended period of time and then begin to actually make personal decisions based on a third entity that is the alchemy of the two, the relationship. And so um, when the, the separation is happening, it's important to understand that who I am in many ways has fused with who this person is and, and been alchemized in a particular unique DNA way that uh, goes away over time as I return back into my state and I will keep some of what has been activated. So for example, um, if there's a thing with, with uh, let me give a tangible one. There's a thing with like lighting that Azria was always amazing about where just no overhead lighting. It was like these side lamps and soft light and like string lighting. She was just the way that the space was set up candles, that sort of thing was so huge to her that she used to tape down the light switches in the bedroom. It was like, you cannot use the overhead light. It just will not allow you to do it. And, um, 
that's something that now I have taken. It's a part of me. And mm-hmm. so as I go through the world, like that is something that I will take with me forever changed because of my time in relationship. And by the way, that wouldn't have happened in, that didn't happen for years. Like that is a result of years and years and years and years. And that's a very tangible example. And that happens in very subtle nuanced ways that often you can't even see and recognize. And so, um, the, as, as this uncoupling process has been happening, I've just noticed the parts of myself that are behaving differently than I'm used to and recognizing that, wow, that's because part of me was in training into who she was and what she was holding that I'm now responsible to hold if I want it to be a part of my experience. And like, if, and to go back to the same example, if I want a lighting to look a certain way, I have to put the thought into doing it as opposed to I could just show up and turn on the light and she'll turn the light off and then put the candles around or whatever. I actually get to take action on what I want instead of taking for granted the what she was holding. And that includes nuanced, energetic, subtle belief systems, not just like the tangible. I'm just giving that as an example. And I think um, another point that you touched on that is really important is you talked about the feminine ideal that you were holding and putting on this kind of pedestal. And the funny thing is that I relate so much to that where I used to put this ideal on a pedestal and then through relationship discovered there is no feminine ideal that doesn't even exist. That's something that we all would say are different things. Your ideal is different from my, so it doesn't even exist. It's just what we want essentially. And, um, because I developed this relationship so deeply, I created my ideal. Basically, this is the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. This is the woman I'm going to raise children with. This is the woman who is my everything. She became my entire representation of the feminine ideal. She became my entire feminine reference point. And so a huge part of this journey for me is an understanding that what a limitation, what an unfair thing, one, to put on her, but two, to assign the feminine, that the feminine is this person, that the feminine is my relationship. No, the feminine is so much more vast than that. And there's so many aspects that I do not understand. There's so many aspects that I do not have experience with and do not feel empowered in. When I'm in that dynamic of relationship with certain aspects of the feminine, I go into my wounded inner child instead of my empowered king. And so how am I to actually create and help support other brothers in creating healthy relationships to the feminine? How am I actually going to help support the feminine in creating healthy relationships to the masculine if I have a very limited slice of empowerment in relationship to the feminine? And opening that up is is huge. And I think is what the journey that I'm on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, speaking back on this kind of archetypical nuances that's, that's occurring, like this feminine ideal, masculine ideal, um, this projection of that ideal onto a person, it's almost like you have to be able to dissolve or dismantle the ideal in order to connect authentically with the person. Because as long as the ideal is there, it's almost like it's a mask and you can't, we can't actually fully connect to the authenticity and the totality 
of that person as long as we have that ideal as that reference point for that person. Or like what you said, even bigger picture is that person representing the totality of the feminine or, you know, vice versa. And um, yeah, so that, that's, that's a really interesting perspective. Because so much of what we do on this planet is, is um, moving toward pleasure or moving away from fear, right? And so when I have a woman who is both of those things to me, where she is my pleasure. I enjoy being around her. Uh, she is my lover. There is so much pleasure in our relationship. And she is the only safe feminine relationship that I've ever had. So in a way, she's my way to run from the fear as well. And so because of that, so much of myself was wrapped up in us and who we are together that um, I never had to to address these other these other fears that are there. That the part of me that now walks down the street and sees an attractive woman and looks away, as opposed to just making eye contact and smiling. And before I could tell myself the story that well, I'm in relationship with the woman that I love, so I don't even need to be creating any type of energetic whatever with. Uh, any women that I find attractive outside because I'm, I'm keeping my relationship sacred or I'm, I'm not even open anyway. So why do that? And now that I don't have that, I'm still seeing that same behavior, but there's no excuse now. I can't rationalize it. The truth is that there's a little boy in me that's wounded from having been cheated on from whatever that is protecting himself by not even opening that doorway of energetic connection because attractive women might cause me pain. And so I recognize it happening and I can't hide in my relationship anymore. Now I get to take ownership and say, okay, this is me. And I can be the person who has the podcast and, and uh, social media influence traveling the world doing um, amazing things that I'm so proud of and also be the gentleman walking down the street, avoiding eye contact with someone he finds, finds attractive. Those can both be true. They're both my truth. And by talking about them openly, hope, I hope to start to encourage people to reframe this idea that it needs to look a certain way to be, to be an empowered man or it needs to look a certain way to be, um, be cool or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Just like, let it all go. What, what is, what actually is right now? Mm, oh, we're right there. You just hit on something right there. That's been very relevant for me. What is real right now versus mm-hmm. what is inspiring about the future? What's activating about the future and also like getting back to like, well, okay, that's all, that's all future timelines. And those are all probabilities or possibilities. And right here and now, what's really relevant right now? And I think, I think for me, that's definitely been a little bit of a slippery slope in, in this particular context, because it is so fun and exciting to envision and dream weave into the future when you do have that connection with someone, it's almost like it's, un, it's, it's unavoidable. It's just like the timelines are merging and all of a sudden everything's activating. It's like dreams and desires and, and all of that. And there's this soul kind of like, ugh, I don't even know what to call it, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just, it's just like, it's almost creating itself. And then 
through this de-entangling process, if you will, and returning back to self. And, and there is this sense for me that this really came up for me as like, what's real right now? Because the future is the future and it will be real when it is real. But right now is the only thing that's real. And um, that just really struck a chord with me. Yeah, I, I have very much arrived in this space of what is real right now because of the healing process and an understanding of, of just how most human beings, because of biological reasons, right we avoid pain and then we extrapolate the desire to avoid physical pain to emotional pain and because for many of us the physical pain is such a minuscule part of our experience relative to our ancestors when we develop this biological avoid pain and now a lot of the pain that people experience is actually on the emotional level and without the tools on how to be with that there becomes this natural tendency to just avoid it and you and I both know you can avoid those painful emotions, but they're going to just store in your body and manifest themselves as triggers in your next relationships or as actual physical symptoms uh, harming your health and your well-being. And so because I'm aware of that, I know that the best thing I can do for myself is when I'm feeling the emotion is actually allow myself to feel the emotion fully. And I talked about this today, even on my Instagram, uh, in my Insta story, where I was just talking about how I notice certain behavior patterns that I can rationalize as being healthy, such as coming home, watching a documentary about Einstein, listening to a podcast on the drive to the gym and while I'm at the gym. And I can rationalize as, wow, I'm really learning. I'm taking in all this information. And the truth is that when I came home and watched that, I would have been better served based on where I want to go to sit in silence and meditate and have a journal and just be with what I was actually feeling, allow myself to cry, allow myself. But I was just so tired of the emotional processing that I wanted to, to shut it down. And I noticed that and I see that and I don't make myself wrong for it because I'm doing the best that I can. And I continually keep my eye at the, on the mountaintop of, I want to allow the space to process these emotions and uh, I get to do that as often as possible. Mm. That's that's really powerful. I mean, yeah, and that's a big that's a big theme. I think the self reflective lifestyle, opposed to the consumer external driven lifestyle, is becoming a much bigger theme for people. And um, and you just said something that I can relate to <laughs> because I'm I'm a I'm a research junkie, right? So, um, and it's 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 part of it's part of what I do. It's part of how I, how I, how I show up in the world is share information and perspectives and things. So I'm constantly taking in new information. And what I do know is that that can be a distraction from what is wanting to occur on a much deeper, much more profound, much more transformative level. And there is a little bit of an avoidance there of being in the silence and pulling out the journal and none of it's rational whatsoever. It doesn't take a lot of time. The podcast is going to last, last likely a lot longer than that process sometimes will. But there is a little bit of like resistance, I think, because when one of the things you said that I can relate to is like, man, I'm just, I'm just like really tired of this whole like emotional 
process. And not that I'm tired of feeling my emotions. I love feeling my emotions, but man, like at times it can just get, it can just get kind of, um, uh, tiresome, right. And feel like, okay, well, I'm ready to actually just get on, get on with it. And, um, but one of the, but, but it's like, the reality is that, you know, I think, I think, um, where I want to, where I kind of want to go with that is what's occurring in our collective field is being processed and transmuted through, um, I don't want to say selected, but awakened individuals that are holding the field in a sense for the evolution of humanity and the planet and are kind of in, are bringing in a new, bringing in new energy. And it's, it's an interesting perspective, I think, because one of the things I've been tuning into the last couple of years is I've been in that process of trying to understand this influx of energy and, and what's going on um, for many of us on an individual level in my own experience, because I realize a lot of this isn't mine. It's not actually mine. And that's, that's, the, that's the interesting rub there is because the mind is trying to define or explain why I feel a certain way. And it's trying to find a reference point for it so it can understand and explain it away so it makes sense. And yet, in doing that, I could take on and own a lot of what's going on and, and um, associate it as something wrong with me or something that um, is a part of me. When, it, when I'm, 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 I'm intuiting, I'm theorizing a little bit that there's a lot of us that are actually awakening and doing the work and cleaning our vessel to the point where we become conduits. We become capable conduits that can actually help to transmute the collective energy because the majority of people on the planet just aren't capable. They don't have the capacity to do that work, which must be done for the transformation of the planet. I'm curious what you think about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So basically what I see happening right now is an elevation of frequency on the planet. Right. And with, if you look at, um, who did power versus force? Uh, Uh, David, David, David Hawkins. Hawkins, not Wilkins, Hawkins. Thank you. Um, so when he does this uh, evaluation, essentially of a numerical value assigned to different emotional experiences, uh, the frequencies of different emotional experiences, and there are various emotional experiences that exist in a lower frequency, uh, basically a higher density. And as we elevate the frequency of the planet, there are going to be densities that are no longer a match to that higher frequency. So in order for the planet to evolve, all of those lower density vibrations get to pass through Brita filters that transmute the density into a higher vibe state of being. And those are the individuals that you are talking about, people who are willing to be those Brita filters. And we all have the capacity to do that if we, um, if we allow ourselves to feel, because feeling is actually all that's required. And the amount that we're able to feel is in direct correlation to uh, the work that we've done, the safety that we feel. The, um, like for myself, I was raised feeling um, like emotions were not safe to express. So I shut them all down. And so I go through decades, I mean, I'm still going through the process of allowing myself to feel deeper and deeper and deeper. And 
what's interesting is there's this polarity. I'd be curious on your perspective on this because I believe that what what we do when we have uh, higher frequencies is we tap into a space where there's more uh, feeling available. There's just more experience available. But that because we live in a, a polarity, we open up to a greater depth of pain as well, right? Like there's, there's actually a greater depth of sadness that we can feel the moment that we also recognize the greater depths of joy that we can feel because we expand in all directions. And so um, as the planet elevates, it's not so much that we uh, will never ever feel pain or sadness again, but there's an aspect of value assignment to those feelings. There's an aspect of uh, density to that experience. Let's call it suffering. That is a resistance to what is. Suffering simply meaning a resistance to what is that is a part of the human experience right now that once embraced, we can feel pain so deeply, but it doesn't carry the same meaning and that doesn't carry the same suffering. And those are the things that are density. Literally because being in resistance to what is meaning, I'm not going to feel that. I'm going to store that away. I'm not going to look at it. And then it stores as density in the system. So anyway, that's my perspective on what you spoke to, but I'm curious yours. No, I mean, that, that's, that's beautifully put. And I mean, I share all your, I share your perspective for sure. And, you know, these things definitely will reveal themselves in physical symptomatic manifestations. I mean, there's a thing on my neck that I've had for a long time, left side, funny, um, and uh, feminine side. And there's a little bit of a thing that's always been there. I've gotten tremendous amount of body work. And, uh, you know, with my, my nutrition protocols, everything else in my body is like, boom, everything is optimized. But there's always been this lingering thing here. And I've noticed when it gets triggered, usually in certain, um, when I'm triggered or certain dynamics, particular to the feminine, particular to my prior reflection, current reflection, I guess you can't even separate from that. Um, um, but I, but I became aware of when it would fire up and it was like, oh, ugh, what the heck? And it's not, and I, and I realized it's not necessarily part of my, it's not a physical, I mean, it's a physical experience, but it's very much deeply rooted in something to do with my feminine. And I really have been on this process of like really understanding that and exploring that and connecting with that and integrating that. And, um, and understanding as a man, there's been tremendous, um, I guess the word wounding is kind of like just so it's so spoken about. Like I almost wish there was a different word because it doesn't feel like wounding. It just feels like an imprint. So that might be the best word. There's, there's many, many imprintations and many of them are beyond this lifetime. And it really speaks to what you shared about, you know, becoming the Britter Berkey filter for all of this, because all of it does pass through us. Um, actually, you know, one of the things I did want to mention, which I think is relevant to what you shared is like in Chinese medicine, they have a, they have a thing called compliance. Like the herb doesn't work if you don't take it basically. And so they say the bitter, the bitter herbs, which are correlated with heart, you know, bitter meaning healing the heart, the bitter herbs are most effective when you take and you can taste it. And I always found that perspective interesting. So instead of just like having a capsule or even like putting like 
honey or something in your tonic to coat over to coat over the taste, the bitter taste. Actually, tasting the bitterness of it um, denotes some of its healing properties, and I found that interesting. And I thought of a metaphor as like that must mean that in order to heal, we must feel what's being healed, right? If we're going to we're going to heal the trauma, we're going to heal the wounding or the imprints. We have to actually allow ourselves to feel those those imprints or those wounds or those pains. And if we're not able to feel it, then um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it gets stored or it gets bypassed or it doesn't it doesn't fully release. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I I have that perspective in some some way. Like I think that perspective is true, um, and I don't think it's empirical. Mm-hmm. So um, Def- definitely not empirical. I, I, from the standpoint of like, I also believe another aspect to maybe you have just a switch flip in your mind and now you're living in this just state of joy and bliss so consistently that the things that are not in resonant with resonance with that state of being simply burn away and like will leave the system. And so they don't actually have to be felt as, oh my God, this pain of sexual trauma has to be cried and screamed out for, for months and months and months. But instead, just by elevating yourself, what's not in resonance will fall away in, in some way, shape or form. With that said, I think that the simplest and clearest and the way that my path has looked um, up until now, for the most part, has been, wow, I see the thing, I see the shadow, whatever, and I allow myself to feel that experience. And by allowing it to be witnessed and felt and moved through my system, that um, allows for a, a deep healing process. And um, I think that that's where we are at in in society right now on on a global scale is this conversation of these two approaches and both of them being true. And I'm good with either of them. Like if we allow ourselves to really grieve the atrocities that are happening right now in this moment and really be with that. And we also recognize that there is so much beauty around us and love around us also in this moment. And if we focus on that and we truly look at what's beautiful, the, as- the other aspects will also fall away. And, and we, we can heal through the feeling of the shadow and we can heal through the embracing of the light. Both of those things are true. And there are people on this planet who are, have a proclivity to move towards one or the other. And um, they're, they're both true. And, and I think that they both get to be respected and honored. And there's a time and place for both of those things. And I say that because I'm moving from one to the next. My last five years have all been, ooh, I think I spotted a shadow. I think I spotted a trigger. I think I spotted a wound or an imprint. And I'm going to go dive into that and feel it and heal it and do whatever I need to, plant medicine ceremonies, healing work, whatever, to move through that. And now I feel like I've done so much of that that I'm ready to actually shift my lens into art and beauty and love and see the world through that lens and allow that to burn away some of the remnants of the old wounded parts of me uh, that may still be there. 
That is so beautifully put. And that's so, that, I mean, I could not agree with you anymore. That's a very much an alchemical and an evolutionary perspective. And it's like, we can't, but one of the things I, I notice is like, we can't skip steps. Like if we're climbing a ladder, we have to climb every rung of the ladder. Maybe you can hop one, but you have to be able to do that. That means that you would have had to develop yourself at some point to be able to quantum leap, right? So it's like, it's no matter how you dice it, there is a process and we have to go through the process and the developmental stages in order to get to a place where it's like we even have the awareness, we even have the insight that what you're talking about even exists, that I can shift now because I've had the experience of going through the pain. I can empathize with other people if we're a healer or a coach or something. It's important that we have gone through our own experience so we can empathetically connect to somebody else's experience and hold that space. If we haven't gone through it, then what use are we other than maybe, you know, someone giving advice or something? I think um, it's, it's a really, it's a really powerful, it's a really powerful perspective. I felt like I had a, a connective bridge in my mind to that, but. sailed sailed um yeah i think that what binds us all is the human experience Mm. and so i don't have to to know what it's like to have an eating disorder Mm. i've never had one right but what i do know is wow you have an eating someone that I'm talking to, I was like, Oh, you have an eating disorder. And the reason that you're, you're doing that is because you have a feeling that you are not attractive as you are. And there's a more beautiful way of being that will cause your heart to open and you to receive what you want to receive in life. That's why you're acting. I know that. I also can, I can relate to that. I can relate to the part of me that has for years looked in the mirror and said, you're too skinny. No, like all these things, blah, 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 blah. Right. Because I was a late bloomer in high school saying, Oh, you're too skinny. That means you're not masculine enough, which means that women won't find you attractive. Men will be able to take advantage of you. Like all these things that I assigned to literally like my size and I think a lot of men can relate to that. And I, so the point is that while I may not know what it is to have an eating disorder, I do know the human experience of, of feeling not enough, feeling not attractive enough, feeling like I needed to change something physically to be more of who I wanted to be and receive more of what I wanted. And I would never um, pretend to like lead a, a workshop or a class or launch some program around dealing with eating disorders. That's not the path that I've walked. And so I realize that there's a limit to my understanding of what it actually means and takes and what that experience is like. And I also know that there's very human emotional reasons underneath it and we can connect on those. Mm, it beautifully put basically you just put into words exactly what i was really wanting to articulate um and i feel like i mean there's so many different things that want to come through me right now in the form of questions and, and insights um but with the time we have left like one of the things i want to really put a spotlight on because I, you have just like a really you know you have a lot of wisdom and perspective on it is 
before we started this, there was um, obviously the there was the renegotiation around the masculine and feminine, and I really like this twin flame journey for me and for people that aren't aware of that. Um, if it resonates with you, it's kind of a thing that if it's part of your experience, then it's going to be part of your experience. You're going to take that journey; it's unavoidable. Um, but for me, I. Um, this perspective of a twin flame, which ultimately in general terms is really just the integration of the divine masculine, divine feminine in union within, within um, ourselves first and foremost, but it manifests in the, the complementary opposites of the masculine, feminine man and woman, or, or the energetics of the masculine feminine. So with that said, um, this has been so on my heart and on my mind pretty much every day for the last 15 months. Um, I want to, I want to get your perspective on what is occurring right now between the masculine and the feminine as a theme in our world. And also obviously that translating into the personal experiences and the relationship experiences and renegotiations that you had brought up. Yeah, it's a really uh, uh, loaded topic in question. There's so much that could be unpacked from that. But what I'll say is right now there, there was a catalyzing shift where women are owning their empowerment. And, and the I don't want to say women, excuse me. So the feminine energy on this planet has has been rising and uh for the sake of this conversation i'll refer to the manifestations of that in men and women specifically but understand that what i'm actually speaking to on a deeper level is masculine and feminine energies inside each of us inside of all of us and so what you've seen like with the me too movement and you've you've seen a rise of feminine empowerment which has given um energy to the voice of the female and that has because it's a frequency shift happening in one side the polarizing aspects of these two balanced energies it means there's a shift going to happen in the masculine and we're seeing that in a number of different ways we're seeing men who are um terrified who are scared who are uh running uh essentially from the feminine you have men who are that's the flight you have men who are in the fight mode who are um taking stronger warrior stances and and like uh rallying against the the women's movement that's happening right now and then um everything in in between right is going on and so there is that as a catalyst, but what I'm also seeing, and I admit to being a part of, you know, these new age conscious bubbles um, that I'm that are a big part of, of what I'm surrounded by. But what I am seeing in the men is the the catalyzing effect the women are having, where men are now okay, what's my empowerment? I mean, look at my journey specifically. I'm asking the question of. What does it look like to be a conscious, empowered male in 2000, excuse me, in 2018? What does that mean? And um, that's not a question I had five years ago. It wasn't something I was thinking about. And as all the other, quote, success has showed up in my life, financially, professionally, 
professionally, in my relationship up until that point, and all of these things. Um, here I am with all the things I wanted five years ago, but feeling less sure of what it means to be in my empowerment today than I did five years ago. So what does that actually mean? And so there's this catalyzing effect. And now what we're seeing on the planet is how do we empower each other without disempowering ourselves? And that goes beyond just men and women. That goes into relationships like you and I have as friends, as men. How do we enter into cooperation and collaboration instead of competition, which is what the old paradigm also said was our dynamic, was supposed to be. You both have podcasts. Well, if people are listening to Ronnie's podcast, they won't listen to the deep dive. That just won't happen. And it's the scarcity mindset. And so how do we empower each other in a way that builds each person up, builds those energies up together. And what's coming to light as that's a goal, that's an intention that's, that I feel has been catalyzed by women in many ways is all of the wounded aspects that are ready to be released. We talked about as you raise your vibe, there are going to be things that are ready to burn away. Here's a tip or like a piece of, of, of what I've seen. As it's ready to be burned away, that means it comes to the surface. It doesn't just like disappear in the darkness and you never see it again. It comes to the surface on its way out. And we're seeing that on the planet right now. And my plea to both men and women, anyone listening to this, is to understand what's happening first and foremost. Understand, okay, there's this renegotiation. We're finding our empowerment. And so these wounded aspects are coming up. And to be incredibly diligent on spotting the wounded because so much of the empowerment gets, uh, excuse me, so much of the wounding can be wrapped in the, the container of this is me in my power. This is what women's empowerment or men's empowerment looks like when in reality, that's just putting lipstick on a pig of the wounding that's still present. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Man, you just, I mean, okay. I mean, right there, what you just said opened up um, such a truth. And this plays out in men and women. Um, and we're not going to go deep into all that, um, into everywhere my mind wants to go, um, because this conversation has come up. I realized at one point, I had an experience about a year and a half ago, um, where I was appointed as the masculine kind of pillar for a retreat experience and it coincidentally it was all women that showed up and the energy that had occurred through that dynamic was actually a breakdown effect of me as that masculine pillar. And I became kind of like a proxy for all of that wounding. And it took me a year to actually look back and realize the deeper dynamics of what took place. And, and what I, that was my first conscious aware experience through reflection of realizing what you just said, that, um, that, that, um, gosh, like that, that, that wounding showing up as I'm speaking my truth and I've seen it in relationship. I mean, that's where it's just been played out full on every archetype imaginable playing itself out and, and it would trigger me and drive me absolutely insane because something deep within was being hit so hard. My whole nervous system would just like, I would lose grip of my whole, my whole sensory system and just like either run out the door or just like, you know, the worst side of me would come out and those shadows would bump up against each other. 
in this guise of, well, I'm speaking my truth or you're not hearing me. I'm speaking blah, blah, blah. Like those whole things that come up in the, the guise of like, well, this is empowerment. I'm empowering myself. In a sense, it's true. Like in a sense, there is these stages of, of energy of sometimes like anger is, is sometimes a better energy than, than passivity or depression or sorrow, right? Like there's a, there's an escalation, but then if we get stuck in that, then that becomes um, disharmonious. And so anyways, those are just some little, little collage of thoughts that, that came to my mind as you, as you shared that. Yeah. And there's that, that old adage, right? Like emotion is energy in motion, right? So um, anytime that it's in motion, it's moving, it's doing what energy does as opposed to just, holding on and, and avoiding and stopping and stagnating. It's allowing ourselves to feel and to feel in a way that doesn't cause harm to other people or the planet and just allow ourselves to be in our uh, conversation and our exploration of what it means to really own our empowerment as a society, as human beings. What does that mean? And in order to actually be open to receiving what that is, we get to let go of the idea that we already know. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's the, that's, 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 that's it right there. Opening up to the mystery and the humility that I only know what I know. And pr- most of what I know doesn't even exist anymore because <laughs> I'm in this present moment and I've had to let go and burn away of, of, of all that. And, um, so, so as a final, as a final question for you, Adam, I want I want to uh, hear from you. What does it mean in your in your uh, in your awareness at this moment to be a fully conscious, aware um, human being in two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen, and beyond? <laughs> well, the truth is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's very much the journey that I'm on. That's why I'm creating this content around like this breakup. A, a part of me wants to run and hide and go, you know, to wherever in the world, maybe Kauai, Maui, wherever, and just like hole up and just like lick my wounds a little bit. Um, but there's so much value in saying, I don't know, I'm going to explore. And so I'm, I'm turning the camera on it and creating co- tons of content around this that I'll be sharing uh, over the coming weeks. And even though I don't know, there is one truth that I hold currently, which is that to be a, a conscious human to, in today's day and age, to take that lens simply means to be open to the ideas that challenge what you might think you know. So it's, it's no longer just drawing a line in the sand. And we see this in so many ways. Basically everything that's happening in our political system right now is like, I'm drawing a line in the sand where I can't even hear the other person. I can't even uh, have a conversation about it. And if we've shut down the ability to hear other people and be heard, we're not going anywhere plain and simple. That it's just not going to happen because we get to exchange ideas. We get to exchange energy in a toroidal way. That's how the universe flows. And so 
all I know is the willingness to challenge your ideas and have them be challenged by other people because it's not an attack on who you are and what you believe. It's simply an exploration of how we can move to this next stage of evolution. And we cannot move on to the next chapter if we're unwilling to turn the page of the last one. Boom, right there. Yeah, wow. This, this conversation right here could keep on going. It's, it's an endless <laughs> unpacking right here. It's so relevant. It's so pertinent. It's so present um, to what me, obviously you, and what so many people are experiencing right now. And that last thing you said, I just, I just want to just highlight that real quick. Like you can't move forward unless you have closed the last chapter. You can't move on to the next chapter. A new door does not open until the let until you close that door and that can be interpreted a million different ways what that means how that plays out in one's life how people heal and resolve and dissolve and evolve um from their past and um i just want to i just want to take this moment to honor everyone's experience i know what we're going through right now this is full on it's been full on but it seems like a little extra full on right now and i say full on in a very um in a very light sense, I think what we've been dealing with is the density dismantling or dissolving, better yet, the density dissolving. And as we've been going through that dissolving, all of our um, attachments, particularly to struggling our way through, prodding and pushing and pulling and being pushed by pain, is um, all those behaviors are starting to fall away. And now the true healing and transformation can occur where that feminine principle can truly manifest itself in all of our lives and guide us from vision instead of pushing by pain. And um, it's quite a beautiful thing. And I, one of the things you mentioned before that I just wanted to give voice to real quick was um, the way that your behavior and your operating system essentially is changing and acclimating and adapting to that changing operating system and how the, um, I guess the, the experience of processing pain has shifted and the meaning behind it has shifted because that has been my experience. I've definitely gone through a bodhisattvic awakening, um, in realizing the truth of my particular soul incarnation and beyond what I do beyond my, my mission or my work or the way that it, that it, um, is um, packaged, but the depth of my soul and my, my incarnation here and the meaning that I get to give that every single day. And one of the meanings is I get to release and I get to find the joy and the bliss and the tranquility and the, the reverence through these experiences, through feeling the pain, the sacredness of feeling all of the full spectrum of human emotion. And, um, I want to honor everybody that is also going through that journey, everyone that's watching us. And uh, I want to honor you, Adam, like you as a, as a masculine reflection. I just, um, I have so much respect for you as a friend and um, in your professional work and the journey that you're on. Um, and I just want to, I want to honor you and thank you for showing up fully playing the game full out and being a great role model and leader for everyone else taking the journey. Yeah. Much love, brother. I appreciate you and, and what you're doing. And thanks for having me on. Thank you to everybody who's been listening to this. Uh, may it provide some value and insight into your life. Yeah. Beautiful. And before we, we click out, um, where can everybody find more about you? 
Well, adamroa.com is the hub, A-D-A-M-R-O-A.com, and that will lead everywhere. That'll lead to my podcast, The Deep Dive. That'll lead to my Facebook, my Instagram, adam.roa, Twitter, adam underscore roa, YouTube channel. Like, it's all there. Um, and so, yeah, I just encourage anyone who'd like to, to follow along this chapter, this journey that I'm on, to connect with me through the social platforms. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Once again, honor and pleasure. And um, for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. Aloha. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential Show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.